That's next Sunday, 1st of March. Imagine uh, that you have spent the last 20 years of your life as a prisoner in a supermax prison. Um, let's put that up if you can there. Caleb, uh, we, this, is, this is what a supermax cell looks like. Uh, you spend 23 hours a day in uh, literally a 7 foot by 12 foot soundproof cell. Never interacting with other prisoners. One hour uh, a day you're allowed to get out of your cell. Permanent lockdown. Uh, no natural light. You're all alone. This, this is your existence. Okay? So you've been sentenced this uh, for life. You've already been there 20 years. And then one day the warden comes to your cell and tells you the governor just signed a pardon and you're free to go. You're no longer confined to this cell. Um, you now are free to leave. So as you walk down, you're heading out of the prison. You get down to the end of the corridor. You see another cell. Looks pretty familiar. Looks a lot like the one you've just spent 20 years in. And the guard says, hey, just want you to know, this cell is available. This cell has a really nice pillow. It's way more comfortable. Uh, it's got an extra foot of room. It's uh, 7 by 13, not just 7 by 12. Um, and I just want you to know uh, there's a little more light okay, than the one you had before. And you look in and it looks familiar and you say, you know what? Thank you, warden. But you walk into that cell, pull the uh, cell door behind and now you're, you're feeling back home again. I'm back in my cell where I, where I feel home. You've chosen to live in confinement and captivity instead of the freedom the governor is offering you. Okay? What an absurd, absurd and bizarre uh, action by someone who's been in confinement for 20 years and now chooses to go back and continue on even though you've been set free, you want to live in captivity indefinitely. That's exactly the picture that the Apostle Paul is painting in Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Jesus didn't set us free so that we can place ourselves in prison again. That's not why you and I have been freed by Jesus Christ. Jesus has set us free so that we can live free. The Galatians, when Paul found them, were living in the prison of sin and Satan and death. Okay, When Paul found them, they were living in chains and heading for a Christless eternity. And now, Paul came and he shared the good news. Paul shared the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a sinless life, left the glory of heaven. He alone qualifies to be your sinless lamb. Jesus took your place on the cross 
Jesus shed His blood for your sin problem. Jesus took your place in the grave. And early Sunday morning, listen, Jose, He arose victoriously from the dead. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for the Galatian church. They heard the good news. They believed. They received Jesus. Jesus set them free from slavery to sin and Satan and death. The warden now has come and he said, you know what? I'm going to set you free. The warden, the governor, his name is Jesus. And he said, now that you belong to me, now you're set free. He opened the doors and set them free. Invited the sunshine, the grace, the freedom, and the love. Now now track with me. For several years now, they've been living free in the joy and the liberty of Jesus Christ. And now... They're tempted to go back to prison. They've got these guards whispering, oh, there's a really nice, comfortable pillow, and there's a little more light. It's going to be better. And they're trying to convince the Galatian church, going back to the supermax cell is what Jesus wants for you. That's what the false teachers are attempting to get them to believe. Be religious, be extra spiritual, and, and surely you'll be extra loved by God. Now Paul is going to use some of his strongest language in all of the New Testament as he challenges the false teachers. I would say he pulls no punches. Matter of fact, I, I think Paul's angry and disgusted that these teachers are teaching the Galatian church, give up your freedom Give up your your liberty in Christ and return to the prison of the Old Testament law. So uh, be prepared. Paul's got some strong words. Would you stand with me if you're able? Uh, We're going to read the first 12 verses out loud together. Galatians chapter 5. Ready? Here we go. Let's read together. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've fallen, been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who's held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, 
who's been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Let's pray. Lord, uh, those are strong words <laughs> that you inspired Paul to write down. And Lord, uh, sometimes we read and we say, wow, help us, Lord, to understand why Paul was so angry. And Lord, help us to follow along. And when we see legalism taking root in our lives and in the lives of those around us, Lord, would you help us to get angry just like Paul? We need your help here. Would you help us to understand your book today? Would you uh, help us to understand what your spirit has done in freeing us from the chains of rules and regulations and laws found in the Old Testament? Lord, speak. We're listening. Thank you, Lord, for getting our missions team back from Honduras. Lord, thank you for uh, the good news we got with Greg Clark and uh, we certainly pray for wisdom for he and Kim as they head back to Ann Arbor shortly. And Lord, we continue to pray for Brett. Thank you, Lord, for laying on his heart the desire to go and share the good news of your son Jesus with folks throughout the world. So Lord, continue to bless him. Please bring in the money, just the right amount at just the right time. And I pray, Lord, that you'll work powerfully in Brett's heart and life. Thanks, Lord. We're glad to be here today in your church. Thank you, Lord, that we get to enjoy one another now. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one expectant voice, Amen. you can be seated. Um, some of you sometimes go to the farmer's market. Anybody? Farmer's market people? Yeah, yeah, good stuff. There's one in Boyne, Petoskey, East Jordan, Harbor Springs, um, Charlevoix. Okay, but in Paul's day, you oftentimes would go not to the farmer's market, but to the slave market. And you literally could go in Paul's day in bigger Roman towns and you could purchase a slave. The master would sell his slave to you and then, Henry, you could buy or purchase or redeem a slave from the other owner. And now you were the owner, and you now had the power to grant that slave freedom. You understand? So you would buy a slave from another owner, and now you controlled the destiny of this slave. The New Testament language is literally talking about being bought out of slavery of the law, and now you have a new master, a new Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. He bought us out of slavery to the Old Testament law. That's the point that Paul makes. Look at verse 1. 
since Jesus has purchased you out of slavery, don't allow someone else to re-enslave you. That's his argument. You were in slavery to sin and Satan and death and the law, but now you're free. Don't allow someone to re-enslave you. You're purchased out of that. Don't allow someone to drag you out of the marvelous grace and freedom that you have in Jesus. Don't allow them to drag you back in to slavery, into bondage. How could someone re-enslave someone? How could someone put another person back into bondage? Look at verse 2. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you've been trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. For Paul, track with me, circumcision, the outward sign for all boys seven days and older, that symbolized the religion of human achievement. Okay? Instead of freedom, it was slavery. Slavery to self-effort, work harder, do more. That's what circumcision symbolized to Paul. Literally, what these false teachers were saying, track with me, Christ's work wasn't enough. What Jesus has done for you is not enough. Now you need to work and earn. It's insufficient. It's not enough. You Galatians must be circumcised. They were Gentiles. So most of them weren't circumcised. If you want to fully be saved, you must be circumcised. You must obey the ceremonial law, is what they were teaching, the Sabbath, the festivals, the feast, the Sabbatic years. We looked at that in chapter 4 and verse 10. And now... We're going to add to that, you also, all of your males, must be circumcised. Even though you're old, now you have to be circumcised. Oh, and by the way, you need to follow all the dietary laws. No more pork chops, no more ham, no more bacon. Follow all the Levitical dietary laws as well. Paul strongly responds. Your righteousness, give me your eyes, is established by Jesus Christ. Who you are in Christ is graciously received by faith. It's based on what Christ did, not by you doing stuff and keeping the Old Testament law. You understand? It has nothing to do with your effort and your doing stuff. It has everything to do with, with what Jesus Christ is doing. Listen, Jesus' work is perfect and you can't improve on perfect. Isn't that true? Jesus' work on the cross was finished and done and you can't improve on it. Galatians 5, verse 3. Uh, Paul continues, if you're going to trust the law, 
If you're going to trust in your works, if you're going to trust in circumcision to set you apart, then you need to keep the whole law and do it perfectly. Don't ever mess up. Don't mess up in one way. Otherwise, you've not reached the mark. If the ceremonial law is going to set you apart and make you holy, then it's not just your outward acts keeping the whole law, then you must do what Jesus did and internally, 100% of the time, never mess up in any way. And if you do, I'm sorry, you've sinned. You now are back in a bad relationship with God the Father. So, if you're going to attempt to keep the law, trust in your own efforts, trust in your own work to be holy and religious then you have to keep the whole law perfectly because that's what Jesus has done. Verse 4, if we add to Christ, you actually take away from Him. Christ plus the ceremonial law for salvation and justification does not equal Christianity. Listen close. Christ plus uh, following all of the, the Sabbath days Uh, following all the festivals, the Sabbatic rules and laws, Christ plus circumcision does not equal Christianity. Are you ready? Christ plus anything equals apostasy, heresy. That's what Paul's saying. Anything that you add to the finished work of Christ, that's not biblical Christianity. Now you've just equaled apostasy and heresy. Verse 5, let's continue on. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Catch this. Okay? This is fun. The Holy Spirit, Jose, is the dynamic of the Christian life, not the ceremonial law. We'll say that again. The dynamic, the powerful part of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. It's not the rules. It's not the regulations. It's not the law. The power, the freedom resides in us through the Holy Spirit. That's where the power and the the freedom come from. Okay, Paul's point, no old covenant law, they've all passed away. They're no longer binding on Christians who follow Jesus Christ. Shall I say that again? The Old Testament law is no longer binding. What matters, look at the last part of verse 6, faith expressing itself in love. It's not circumcision he says it's not uncircumcision it's not the ceremonial law what is it that matters the agape love of Jesus living in us and splashing on those around us through the spirit that resides inside of us that's what matters verse 6 Paul moves on verse 7 you are running the race so well who's held you back from following the truth. It certainly isn't God, for He's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching 
is like a little yeast. It spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing these false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. It only takes a few people teaching a false gospel to break apart and tear up a church. And that's what Paul's addressing. There's just a few false teachers, and now they're really starting to mess up the Galatian church. Paul sighs, you were running so well. You were learning and growing in Christ. You were doing so great. Who turned you away from running the race so well? Who's gotten your attention that you're no longer living strong for Christ? Who taught you to begin with Christ and then finish with works? You know, who, who taught you begin with faith alone in Christ alone, and then just to add a few dashes of the Old Testament law, and then suddenly you're going to be better off. Who taught you that nonsense? Know this, the Father didn't send the Son, Jesus Christ, to do a work that's unfinished. Think about it. The, the Father didn't send Jesus to do an incomplete job. What Jesus did, the work on the cross, was finished. It was a complete job, finished perfectly. Do you remember some of the last words of Jesus on the cross? What, what did he say? It is, it's done. It's complete. Jesus left nothing unfinished. Know this, verse 9, yeast, a little yeast, spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. Just a little false teaching, and now you've bought into it, and it's really messing up the Galatian church. It can really mess up the Walloon church. Verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, Nobody would be offended. Why is it everybody's upset? Because I'm preaching the pure gospel, the finished word gospel. I'm catching heat because I refuse to compromise on faith alone in Christ alone. I refuse to teach. You've got to add stuff to be a solid spiritual follower of Jesus Christ. That's why everybody's mad. The cross of Christ crushes the idea of human achievement and pride. Why? Because we can't add anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ. We add nothing to it. Our, our job is to believe it and receive it and allow His Spirit to flow through us. Verse 12, warning, PG-13. You ready? Can you handle it? It's God's Word. PG-13, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would just mutilate themselves. Okay? Um, Paul says, if you false teachers think that you're holy by circumcision, then why don't you just go all the way on yourselves? Okay? Um, I would word it this way. Paul kind of goes, Bob Barker, Drew Carey on him. 
Do you know what I'm talking about, prices, right? At the end of every, every episode, uh, they say, uh, please get your animals spayed or neutered. Well, Paul is saying, false teachers, go ahead, just neuter yourself. Just go right ahead and castrate yourselves. That's what I hope for you. Okay? Some of the strongest language. And Paul's ticked. He's angry. These heretics are spreading their apostasy, and Paul can't stand it. Now, verse 13, I'm grateful Paul now turns a corner, calms down a bit, uh, and now he's going to speak about freedom and what freedom looks like, what a life that has been set free is all about. Verse 13, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Okay? We're not called to license, but to liberty. We're called to freedom. Now, Paul's talking about the other side. On the one side, the false teachers are teaching, you've got to obey all these Old Testament rules, and you can't eat this. And on Saturday you must observe the Sabbath. And you need to go to Jerusalem on all these festivals. Okay? But on the other extreme, there is what we would call license. Okay? You're free. Let it rip. Do whatever you want. Let sin abound. I, I can do whatever I want. Okay? Paul is saying, don't go to the other extreme either. Using our freedom in Christ to live however we want... That's not what Jesus has done. He hasn't freed us up from sin and Satan and death so we can go and dive into the manure pit of sin. That was fun. Yeah. Didn't know if I could do it anymore. <laughs> I'm telling you, some of us, we use freedom in Christ to swim around in the manure and the mud of sin. and we Oh, I'm free and I can go get... No, Paul is arguing against that. Christian freedom is not freedom to sin, but a freedom from sin. Listen close. Christian freedom is not a license to sin. It's freedom from sin. Instead, we're free to serve and love one another. Listen close. We are freed so we can agape each other in the family. Pretty cool. really is. Go back to the text with me. Verse 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say it with me. Love your neighbor. How? Freedom is grounded in Jesus Christ. It's not an invitation for legalism. It's not an invitation to let sin rip. That's the two extremes. Freedom is an opportunity to show and splash the love of Jesus Christ. Freedom isn't obeying rules and regulations and laws. Freedom isn't following a religious system. Uh, freedom is following the lead of the one who stooped down to wash the feet of, of others. Freedom is following the lead of the one who reached out and touched lepers and healed them when no one else would even go 
within shouting distance of them. Freedom is following the lead of the one who hung out with a foreign woman at the well, changed her life, and then it changed the lives of an entire region. Freedom in Christ is following the lead of the one who kneeled, do you remember? And he wrote in the sand, and everybody looked at him and they dropped their rocks. That's freedom. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Love your neighbor as yourself. So my question is, who's our neighbor? Who's our neighbor today? Uh, Our neighbors are the single mom or the single dad who could use a meal, who could use a little bit of a break. Maybe you babysit for them. Uh, our, Our neighbors are the widows. And by the way, we have a brand new widows ministry. Did you know that? Sherry Schubel, I saw you here. Where are you at? There you are. Stand up, Sherry. You didn't know I was going to make you stand up, did you? Brand new widows ministry. Lots of opportunities. Who's our neighbor? It's the widows. And we have, we have lots of them. How many did you count? How many do you have? Do we have now? There's over 40 widows in the family. So who's our neighbor? It's, it's the widows. It's the orphans. Um, we've got orphans here in Michigan. We've got orphans in Uganda. We've got orphans in Haiti. Uh, our neighbors are the grieving who've lost a loved one, the poor, the needs ministry. When's the needs ministry meet, Chad? Uh, third Tuesday. Could you use some help? Yeah, could you use some help? Our neighbors are those who are in need and you get to come and love on them and pray with them and get to know them. We also support the Nehemiah, Mary Margaret house. He's coming in like two or three weeks. He's going to share what's going on right here in Petoskey. Our neighbors are those in jail. Our neighbors are those in the hospital, the nursing home, those struggling with depression, those in the chains of addiction. Can I just tell you, we got lots of neighbors around us who are in need. If you don't know any anybody in need, come see Chad or I. We'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get you going, okay? Uh, here's how Jesus explained it. John 13, 34 and 35. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. How will people know that we really belong to Jesus? Because we're loving, we're agapeing, splashing the love of Jesus on one another. So, I conclude this way. What makes us different and unique as a church family? Is it our stained glass windows? Is, is it our slides up here on the screen? Is it our rules and our laws and our regulations, our do's and our don'ts? I would argue what makes us stand apart from the world, give me your eyes, is when we're filled up with Jesus and His Spirit, we're freed to love and splash the love of Jesus on one another. That's what makes us stand out. 
when we're loving on each other, that's where the world sits up and takes notice and saying, you know what, there's something going on there. I don't see that elsewhere. What's going on there? And they start asking questions. The love of Jesus flowing out through His Spirit and showing itself to our neighbors. Here's my final question. Who is it that Jesus is asking you to show His love to this next week? Now, I'm not talking a month or a year from now. Who this week can you show His love to? Who's Jesus asking you to splash on around you? Who's your neighbor in need? Let's pray as we close. Lord, thank you for your word. It's clear, it's strong, it's, it's even tough to hear sometimes. But thank you for setting us free. Thank you for giving us clarity. You've shown us exactly how you expect us to live and serve one another. And Lord, would you set us free from rules and regulations and human laws and systems? Lord, thank you for setting us free so we can serve one another in love. And I pray for me and I pray for the family today. Would you give us the ability to hear from you? Would you show us who you expect us, who you are wanting us to splash your agape on around us in this week ahead? so easy to leave here and forget about what you talk to us about. Give us courage and help us not to let go of what you're saying to us right now. We're ready to respond in your power with the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, filling us up. And if there's anyone here in person, Lord, watching online, and they've never accepted the complete and finished work of Jesus on the Christ for their salvation, might today be the day of salvation. Might today be the day they're ready to say yes to you by faith. Lord, we believe what you say in Acts 4.12, there's salvation in only the name of Jesus Christ. No other name in the universe can bring eternal life. Here's my question. Have you said I do to Jesus by faith? Have you opened the door of your life and invited him in? Have you accepted what he did, the finished, complete work on the cross for you? Right now, Jesus, I believe you are the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus, I believe... You alone qualify to take my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood on that cross to wash and cleanse my sin. Jesus, I believe you, you took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I believe you didn't stay dead, but early Sunday morning you arose victoriously for me. And right now, by faith, Jesus, I receive. I open the door of my life and invite you in. Be my Savior, my Lord, my King, my forever friend. 
I'm telling you, if you made that choice today, if you're here in person, come up and see me. I've got a life book and a Bridge to Life booklet I'd love to get in your hands, get you going. If you're watching online and you're ready to make that choice, hit the prayer button. We'll have a private chat with you, and we'll get you the book and the booklet to you. We'll mail that out to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're doing in in this church family. Lord, give us wisdom to reject any any add-ons to the pure gospel, faith alone in Christ alone. And Lord, help us to avoid the other extreme, the license where we can just let sin rip because we have a license to sin. Lord, help us to be free to love one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. We get to worship now in song. Um, The one who finished the work perfectly provided salvation on the cross for us. Would you stand with me? Let's worship King Jesus as we close.